This information is subject to a disclaimer at the end of this podcast. Please ensure that you listen to the disclaimer and go to www.ubs.com for further information about UBS. Many investors are really surprised about how equity markets have held up for such a long time, even as they think we are moving into a recession. But one of the reasons that is happening is because credit markets have also been extremely stable. The fact that equity volatility is as low as it is has a lot to do with the fact that credit volatility is very low. So why is credit volatility low? Why are credit spreads tight? And where are we headed from here? Let's speak with Matt Mish. Matt, thanks very much for making the time. So just as the first question, let's try and understand where the markets are at today before we think about the future. So we've had 500 basis points of Fed tightening. Everyone's thinking about a recession coming, and yet the credit markets don't want to know. So why is credit as stable as it is right now? Yeah, thanks, Bono. I think there's three key points. The first is fundamentally profit growth has held up better than expected. Uh, year on year, we're still running slightly positive in EBITDA terms. Uh, the second is technically fund manager positioning is already quite defensive. Um, fund manager betas are close to flat. Cash balances have been rising. Uh, they're above average uh, now across uh, credit funds as issuance volumes have remained fairly light. And high yield investors are defensively positioned. Um, they're overexposed to double Bs, underexposed to triple Cs. And then just lastly on valuation, Credit spreads right now are near long-run averages. Um, spreads typically don't widen significantly unless you have uh, either a severe increase in defaults or you have a recession. So we're obviously just simply not there yet uh, in terms of uh, you know the whites of the eyes of the recession or a surge in default rates. Okay, so it sounds like it's both fundamental and technical. Technical in the sense that there's high cash levels and already defensive positioning fundamental in the sense that nominal earnings are just still quite high. And so nobody needs to preempt the weakness in the credit market. So that's where we are right now. You, however, are calling for a widening into Q3. So could you just give us like 10 seconds on what your spread targets are for the rest of this year? Yeah, so we have high grade and high yield spreads in the U.S. Uh, widening about 40 basis points and about 150 basis points. The peak targets in Q3 are about 180 and 625. And then as the Fed cuts and that recession proves mild, we have a recovery uh, to 150 and 525 at year end. Okay, so the wides are 180 on IG and 625 on high yield. Now, what's the catalyst, Matt, between sort of, you didn't make it sound like it was complacency, but between the stability right now and the widening of 150 basis points on high yield by Q3, what will catalyze that widening? And if you could give us a sense of timing. I know it's a hard question, but what are you looking at and when do you think it comes? We've done a case study that I think is interesting. Look at back, looking back at periods when spreads are trading near average and when we've seen substantial monthly widening in excess of 40 basis points. And so the data historically really rhymes, I think, with the environment that we see in the outlook for the next six months. Um, the key catalysts are either Fed tightening and inflation fighting. Uh, second is sovereign defaults. The third and fourth is really growth and earnings risks and corporate defaults. And so what we think is as you move into uh, Q3, specifically August, um, we're expecting basically growth to weaken. Our economists are expecting a negative NFP print. But similarly, we think that there are notable signs of deterioration in credit quality and ratings migration, as well as a rise in bankruptcies. And so we're concerned that when we get to Q2 earnings, 
which kicks off late July uh, and early August, that you're really going to start to see another pronounced downgrade wave. Uh, you will see default rates rise. And ultimately, again, we think there will be a nonlinear move toward our year-end targets, which are basically, again, end of year or early next. Uh, we're looking for peak default rates and high yield of 6% and in loans or leveraged loans, 8%. That's very interesting. So you did say to me earlier that you're expecting uh, spreads to go towards about 625. We are somewhere between 450 and 470 right now. How tight do you think spreads can get uh, if we were wrong about a recession call, if we were wrong that earnings are going to decline as much as we think they are? If you're wrong about that and the cycle continues, you would assume that the Fed has to be a little more hawkish than is priced currently. How much can spreads tighten from here? Let's take just about the high yield. The bottom line is we think, you know, tightening probably to 400 to 425. So call it maybe 30 to 50 base points of tightening on the upside. Okay, so the skew is very one-sided, about a 25 to 40 basis points tightening, whereas about 150 basis points widening. But of course, we acknowledge that we, this is a carry product we're talking about. So um, we need to bear that in mind along with the skew. So we've spoken about the catalysts. Let's talk about, which is a subtle difference, the, the landmarks, the milestones. Because the catalysts are the cause, uh, the symptom is the landmarks. What are you going to be watching, Matt, to track how your view is panning out? Yeah, so we're really watching kind of traditionally like the GFC playbook, those areas where we think the vulnerabilities uh, and the buildup in leverage, the credit excesses are largest. So first, you know, SMEs, um, we think should be in focus given regional bank concerns some of the risks that you're seeing there, you have private bankruptcy filings, so private firm bankruptcy filings that are rising again. Uh, they are now back at March levels, and those levels are very elevated relative to what we've seen in the last five years. Um, that, I think, is a key indicator also in terms of the risk that SME distress flows into the U.S. labor market. Second thing is just migration rates and delinquency or early stage delinquency rates in areas that are most sensitive to Fed tightening. And again, where leverage buildup has been significant. So leverage loans, we're watching credit ratings migration. Uh, and May to date seems to be the worst month that we've seen in at least 18 months uh, in terms of downgrades to triple C uh, as well as D or defaults. And then lastly, we're also noticing um, traded prices for defaulted leverage loans have really started to fall materially. They're down in the 30 cent range to start the year. And while Traded prices are an indication. Uh, they're not a, uh, uh, an actual uh, recovery rate. Uh, they are concerning as it relates to the potential losses or losses in default for leveraged loans. So we're gonna be watching each of those areas closely because we already think we're seeing signs of deterioration. And Matt, what about the sectors and industries? Which particular sectors do you think are gonna lead the overall widening? So if we're right that leveraged loans is, you know, one of the, the big canaries in the coal mine, there's a very high concentration of loans um, in tech, consumer and business service, and healthcare. And that's really symptomatic of where leverage has been built up, uh, where there's been a lot of private uh, M&A activity, and where, where underwriting standards have been loose. And so those sectors are critical, um, A, because if the view uh, that the loan market uh, weakening plays out, I think those sectors will be under pressure, but B, the concentration risks are so high uh, that, uh, you know, that, that clients need to obviously be very focused uh, on the outlook for these sectors. Away from that, I would just say the overall, um, you know, default trends that you'll see 
are going to be different this time, and they always are. But COVID was a lot more about consumer discretionary, uh, the slowdown in the consumer. This cycle is a lot more about, I would say, secular or uh, traditionally, in, in many cases, defensive sectors. So healthcare, I would also add to that telecommunications and staples, just areas that are over-levered, um, struggle in a stagflationary environment. Uh, and again, areas where you've seen a buildup in debt or where lending standards have been lax. Okay, very interesting. And the one pushback that we get from many clients when we say credit spreads are going to widen out is that they, we've been through a period of such easy liquidity that many firms have termed out their debt, so there's no issuance need, and therefore there will not be any widening of credit spreads. How would you respond to that? Yeah, I would just say we've done a lot of detailed work that shows that the maturity wall in high yield and leveraged loans is typically always about one to two years away. Last year, um, it was the case that if you looked at that maturity profile relative to the last 20 years, it looked fairly benign. But our recent research from last month shows that a lot of that deferral of issuance last year in high yield has created a maturity wall that over the next two to three years looks about as high as we've seen in the last two decades. So the bottom line is that was last year's argument. Uh, this year, the reality is there's still not an imminent refinancing risk. However, companies normally need for liquidity reasons to address maturities at least 12 months out. Um, if you have a weak liquidity profile, the risk is that you get downgraded to triple C. And that's typically where funding costs rise substantially. And that's really where we're concerned. You could see this vicious cycle of downgrades um, that lead to much higher funding costs. And if operating metrics or earnings are weakening as well, that typically is the type of recipe that results in a default or a restructuring, uh, if not a, a missed interest or principal payment or a filing. And so in terms of the timing, leverage loan maturities really ramp up. We've shown in our recent research uh, in Q1 of 2025, really January. And so companies are gonna need to come to market and issue more in our view by the end of this year. Otherwise you run into that kind of 12 or 12 month plus window where we think downgrades to triple C will accelerate. For U.S. high yield, the rise is more in the second quarter of 2025. So you have a little bit more time until you get into, call it um, Q2 of next year, uh, before the acceleration in downgrades um, to triple C or to the lowest rating spectrum really plays out. And then the final point I would just make is that in a, tr in a more traditional earnings slowdown uh, and deterioration or negative growth environment, you generally will have downgrades from high grade to high yield. And so Fallen Angels has been actually uh, something we haven't seen for the last 18 months. And if anything, we've seen a very strong uh, move in rising stars. So credit's moving from high yield to high grade. That has supported high yield, but we do think over the next three to four quarters that will reverse. And typically uh, it is also that extra supply from investment grade credits transitioning to high yield that will put pressure on high yield spreads. Okay, Matt, I think I probably slipped in six or seven questions instead of five out there. So we're gonna pretend that was five questions, but let me try and summarize your, your view. So first of all, uh, your big calls, you're thinking IG spreads widen out about 40 basis points from here into Q3 and high yield spreads widen out about 150 basis points. So you're looking at a peak of about 625 on high yield and 180 on IG. You also said that you expect the skew of the spread to be pretty much the widening because even in a very good world where the cycle continues, given the fact that the Fed is going to be hawkish, you don't see a tightening 
beyond 400 to 425. So really just about 25 to 40 basis points tightening, even if our view of a recession is incorrect. Now, why is the market um, as benignly priced as it is? Because frankly, A, we haven't seen uh, profits decline so far. B, the technical of manager cash levels being quite high and C, the technical of manager positioning being quite defensive. So this is where we are at. What are the catalysts that we see, you see for widening? Well, primarily earnings. And, and you think in August we're going to get Q2 earnings and you think margins could be under pressure. You think overall earnings could be, could be quite weak. September, October, the issuance also picks up. But through Q3, you expect downgrades and defaults to pick up. This process has already begun and you expect downgrades and defaults will pick up. In terms of landmarks, you're watching bankruptcies, and you've done some work with Evidence Lab on how these bankruptcies are picking up. But you're also looking at negative rating momentum, particularly in uh, loans, which has suddenly picked up uh, in the in the last month in terms of the number of uh, rating downgrades towards C to triple C and also into D. That number has picked up. You also mentioned that the recovery rate of loans uh, is is falling. So these are landmarks that you're looking at. Um, what about the sectors? Doesn't have to be the most cyclical sectors. This time, you think the leverage, especially in levered loans, is in the more defensive sector. So you're, you're following the leverage as opposed to the cyclicality or otherwise of the sector. And you think consumer and business services, you think tech and healthcare within levered loans are the sectors that are going to lead the widening. What about the maturity walls? You think that credit needs to be refired about 12 months in advance. So you think the, the time when firms will need to come on, onto the market for levered loans is towards the end of 23 and for high yield, the supply is really going to increase in by Q2 of 2024. But you also made the point that we want to think about not just gross supply, but also net supply. So you want to be thinking about the netting of rising stars and fallen angels, which was very benign in 2021 and 2022, but you think is going the other way over the next year or two. So that supply, the net supply is going to increase uh, for high yield as you get firms being downgraded from IG to high yield. So Matt, thanks very much for your time. That was very interesting. And thank you for yours. This content has been prepared by UBSAG, its subsidiaries and or affiliates, and is purely informational in nature. It is not investment research and does not contain an investment recommendation, nor investment or professional advice. It is not an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity, and you should seek your own financial, tax, and legal advice before engaging in any such activity. UBS has no responsibility to you in relation to this content and has no regard to your personal circumstances or investment objectives, and receiving it does not imply any form of client relationship with UBS for any legal, regular regulatory or tax purpose. This content is not intended for distribution into any jurisdiction where to do so would be contrary to law or regulation. UBS does not accept any liability over the content of such material or reliance upon any information contained herein. The views and opinions expressed by any guest speaker or third party are not those of UBS. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over any such views and opinions expressed by such persons. This content is the valuable intellectual property of UBS, and UBS specifically prohibits the redistribution of it in whole or in part without its prior written permission. Copyright UBS 2023. The key symbol and UBS are among the registered and unregistered trademarks of UBS. All rights reserved.